0: In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizens' Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are inspired by a co host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr.
1: Thank you, thank you. I promise to remain statuesque throughout this whole session.
0: This is episode number 63. We're still in season 3 and the title of this episode will be Proper Monuments. Hmm. So, as the title's usually give away, we're going to be talking about monuments today. Um why why monuments are important and under what conditions they serve us the best. I was, um, I, was uh, I guess, lucky or fortunate recently enough to participate in um, an open hearing. There was a monuments and memorials um, committee that was convened in San Francisco, and they were soliciting feedback from the public on what exactly we should do with all of the pub- public monuments that San Francisco owns that are a part of their collection. And it's interesting um, because most of the collection right now is a bunch of busts of dead people. Um, Some of them, you know, some people you may find inspiring, but at the same time, there's always baggage that comes along with people. I need to mute these notifications. This is going to keep happening. All right. Coming back to it. So it was a part of this opportunity to, um, You know, provide my opinion on where things should go as far as uh, the civic collection, I put together um, some public comment. And I just want to share a couple of pieces of that so that uh, we can anchor on that perspective um, as, as the purpose of this episode. And I'll try and reduce my ums. I'm not usually this umful. I apologize. One of the things I was talking about is the fact that, you know, humans are flawed (laughs) Um, and there's actually a lot of value to having public monuments and um, things in our civic spaces. So in, in that light, let me just read a little bit, like I said, from um, this, you know, public comment that I provided and, and then we'll jump into some of the additional bullets. So one of the points I opened up with is, um, Just talking about the issue of public monuments and memorials, and I was just saying that um, if we do monuments right, it can provide an enduring, inspiring, and healing aura to our public spaces. Right, All human minds are a product of our environment. The imagery, symbolism, and words expressed through monuments can be made into a source of wisdom, collaboration, and provide a sense of being seen and welcomed to anyone who lays their own eyes upon these figures and sculptures and and whatever form they take to provide us with messages. These monuments can also provide greater awareness of atrocity and even offer catharsis, uh, a sense of healing that demonstrates our capacity for forgiveness. So, you know there are monuments that inspire us uh, to be better. All humans, at the end of the day, are flawed, regardless of the greatness of their deeds or their spirit. So we can eliminate the controversy that comes with all individuals and focus on uplifting the best of what humanity can offer. So for that reason, I proposed. Uh, To the committee that the collection should no longer feature individuals. Rather, every piece, every monument should be an expression of the best of our virtues, our ideals, and our values, as well as opportunities to provide recognition and atonement for past atrocities. After all, um, civilization, as we call it, actually does have a history of making mistakes which are lessons we should pay forward. and Collectively, these works are, end up being pillars of the community, wherever, wherever they stand. And with those pillars, they can be erected one time, and yet it establishes a legacy that has longevity. And as such, they become a gift to our posterity and provide others an example of who we are and who we aspire to be. In those ways, these monuments are so important. Um, going back to the the concept that we're all products of our environments, the messages that these monuments send are can be very formative, especially to young minds. Um, not just you know adults, although adults as well, because some of the ideals that could be captured or presented, especially in figurative form or other ways, can really kind of arrest people in the middle of their day, capture their attention for a moment, and get them to think about something that they may not have otherwise had an opportunity to think about. And that's the power of these monuments, being in open, free, accessible public spaces. So we've already gone through and talked a little bit about the challenges with venerating our ancestors. People are complicated. I mean, you think about Ben Franklin. I think I think Ben Franklin is a very inspiring American story, a very self-made upstart, ambitious type of kid. He left his home when he was a teenager and, and built an essentially an empire. Um, but he died never having freed his own slaves. So. You know, it's very hard to just say Ben Franklin was a great, inspiring American without recognizing the atrocity that he didn't even in his own lifetime recognize that he was a party to committing, which is so interesting. And it's actually, an, it's a microcosm for, you know, all of that period of history with slavery, et cetera. But if we were just to take his ideas, his spirit, um, that upstartedness, the bootstrap tail, whatever you want to do, you just take some of those aspects, some of the things that made him virtuous, especially as a, a, a staunch defender of free speech and the freedom of the printing press and the ability to print words without having to get an approval from the king. Those are all very important things to, you know, the the fundamental aspects that that formed the Republic way back in the day. And we should never lose sight of those values. Those values are useful and they're helpful and they should be available to guide us. But we don't need Ben Franklin in order to have those, in order to venerate those values and those virtues.
1: I have to jump in because it's such a historical moment as you speak about dear old Ben Franklin and, and Michael, I think the only reason you were saying, um, is because you want really wanted to say museums. And cause that's really the focus is that you imagine you walk through a hall of, of busts of people. This person did that. This person did this. This person was involved with X, Y, Z. But I think what will inspire people more is seeing the pin printing press, right? Why are we not focused on the invention of the press, uh, what it did, the different articles it produced? And then, frankly, Ben is a footnote. He's involved in it, but the focus is the mechanism, the revolution, whatever it was that it brought forth, and less focus on summating it with a bust, which frankly costs the full budget. <laughs> where a museum could focus it on really telling a much broader story.
0: I love that. Yeah. And then even in the public spaces, we 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 could have a monument to the printing press, you know, to the freedom of ideas, <laughs> which seems, I don't know, in a way it's under attack. I mean, when you think about book bannings and, and everything else that's going on in the country, I mean, that's just, that's an affront to, all that ideology that we should have the freedom of thoughts, speech, and and expression. There's things that we need to continue to celebrate and not lose, you know, the ability to disagree (laughs) and to disagree openly and, you know, not have to come to bearing arms or anything like that. So each of these monuments inside a museum, outside a museum, wherever they can be are opportunities for us to keep alive the valuable ideas of our ancestors, and like you said, keep them as a footnote in the history books. If you want to go research the ancestor, you can go do that on your own because they're complex and there's many sides to the coin of their story. Um, But in the meantime, we can at least venerate the best of their ideas or virtues or or the results um, that we carry forward today and may not have had without them. Um, but we don't need to venerate the individual. So we can create these monuments and 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 venerate these ideas and and it'll help inspire a shared symbology. We would hope that aligns with the principles of a more perfect union. And that being said, you know, it does require some change. I mean, a lot of a lot of this, Conversation comes out of the destruction of monuments and morals that, excuse me, monuments and um, I don't know what the other word was I was going to say. <laughs> this whole debate and discussion just comes out of uh, some, you know, us actually attacking and tearing down and wanting to remove old monuments that had been erected by people with ideologies. That don't agree with the advancement of a more perfect union. So, for instance, and I think we've talked about these groups in the past, but one in particular is, I believe it's called the Daughters of the Confederacy or or something like that. And, you know, they had a mission way after the Civil War ended and Reconstruction and all that. They went around the country and promoted um, the idea of the lost cause and, you know, this concept that we should venerate and and, um, honor all of those who fought on behalf of the Confederacy, which is pretty painful and actually grotesque um, when you actually learn the full history of the United States and the things that these people really fought for. It wasn't just about states' rights. It was about the right for the state to have slavery and uh, free labor, uh, which, you know, couldn't stand the test of time as much as they wanted it to. And so there was this huge backlash during pandemic and whatnot, where, you know, people were very forcefully um, defacing and tearing down a lot of the statues and the memorials that had been erected to these very flawed ancestors. And so keeping in alignment with that, you know, going forward let's just not put up any of the ancestors. Let's just pick the more perfect union ideas and make sure that's what we're putting up in and among our communities to bring us together towards a common good. With that, um, I think it's time for a break. Time for a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. Politics is war simply without bloodshed. An old adage that rings true to today. The war for liberty and justice for all is never over, and every battle counts. Our republic still holds the promise of our freedom, and it is up to us to unleash its potential. The time is now to reimagine ourselves and our systems of governance for the dawning of a new age. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizen's Prerogative podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we plan to continue to have these conversations so that all citizens are encouraged to invest in themselves and their communities. Keeping that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Help spread the word by sharing your favorite post or Citizen's Prerogative podcast episode from our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Feel free to use the hashtag CDG when you share. Also, feel feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page at citizendogood.com. Thanks for your support.
1: I thought I would uh, keep us on track with the um, founding fathers and talk about Thomas Jefferson. Um, but l- not Thomas Jefferson, in fact. Let's do the right thing and talk about the Monticello, which is uh, perhaps something that could be considered a one of these monuments, museums, which honors an idea of of America, honors the past of America, but maybe is not so much about it being this person's home, but the person's influence on the country. I will say that I I believe this this specific institution is making the right move because they, when they restored Monticello, they removed the slave quarters. Um, They put bathrooms where the slave quarters would have been in Monticello. Uh, and so most recently, those have been removed, and they are restoring the slaves' quarters. And I think that's extremely important to giving back and being, instead of being obsessed about the person and their legacy, returning the monument to its representation, returning it to the truth.
0: That's beautiful. And, and it, and it uh, aligns to the atonement, right? The recognition of atrocity that's been committed because we we shouldn't bury our true history the truth the facts of the matter we need to be able to present that in daylight and and together you know stand in a place of atonement where you know we're solemnly respectful and aware of the painful struggle we've been through you know we don't spend much time talking about germany or anything like that but you know they come up quite often as an example of someone where the allies took advantage of an opportunity, you know, in Germany to make sure that the way they managed monuments and things of that nature around Nazism and the, the attempted extermination of Jewish people throughout the Nazi empire um, to make sure that that was never forgotten, that that atrocity is something that's, uh, you know, is present in their culture and, um, and they haven't shied away from even, you know, censoring some aspects of Nazism, even in and of itself, which would be in this country an affront to free speech. Uh, I understand, but it's it's definitely an example of you know where a, a government has actually taken some accountability for atonement. And I think you know we we're proposing that our country could go a long way. And I, I love that example from Monticello. Um, to restore the truth, to restore the true history, so that we can experience that atonement. And nobody's surprised. We all are learning the same relative set of facts about how we've arrived at where we're at. So with that, we'll go ahead and move into our, our calls to action on this topic. You know, ultimately, this, this monument's issue is truly a grassroots activity. It's one where citizens can force a lot of change. I mean, I, I mentioned the uh, deconstruction, de erection of <laughs> many monuments to um, slavers and, and things of that nature. There's, like I said, there's always going to be a reason that somebody can find fault in in a human. Um, so that's one way we've seen grassroots civic action happening. But another way is how I opened the episode, talking about the fact that. There's committees around the country in various cities and locations that are trying to solicit feedback to inform how they will go forward. How will new monuments be constructed? You know, what do we do with the existing monuments we have? I think there's a great opportunity to relocate those into museums. So it's disheartening to see some of these pieces of art being defaced. Even if, you know, the artwork in and of itself is a caricature of someone that we're not so proud of, we really should have the opportunity to relocate those items into museums, to be able to have honest conversations about who these individuals were and why this controversy even came to be here so many, so many years later you know, in the United States. And so it's a way to allow atonement and, and to maintain these pieces of art. I mean, these, there were artists who, who produced these works. Some of them are quite impressive, even if they are of ugly people, we may think of as ugly individuals or, or who represent ugly ideas. Um, but, we need to face that ugliness because that also happened, right? And and we had groups of people that tried to make these rosy pictures. We should also know that history. We should know about who's tried to cover up the truth, right? That that should be in the museum. It shouldn't be out in the middle of public for everyone to see and it and and out of context, right? So, um, this call to action is about you know all of us in our local communities, wherever there are monuments to humans that came before us, inspiring as they may be, their shortcomings are controversial and distracting nonetheless. And so we should be working within our communities to define these paths forward so that it's definitely more constructive for us to build a more perfect union together for the common good than to be divisive um, or an attempted reminder of who's supposed to be put in their place or who, who are real Americans in this country, because, you know, none of that requires a monument to be dedicated to it. I, I have to digress because this whole conversation reminds me of one of the impetuses for me to even think about this and become aware of our monuments committee. It was a trip I made to Texas, uh, for various reasons. And, um, I happened to be near the capital of Texas in Austin, and I made the opportunity for myself to go tour the grounds around the state capital in Texas. And as I anticipated, there would probably be some monuments there that I wouldn't agree with as a, as a unionist, as somebody who, who would not have fought on the side of the Confederacy back in the day, to find these monuments I thought I would see Texas first. I thought I would see secessionary—you know, the the Republic of Texas. I I thought it would be very Texas-oriented, and and what I found was monuments to the Confederacy. What I found was monuments to the fallen soldiers who had fought to defend the rights of the states, and it was—and those monuments to me are so. Perverse and twisted, uh, the version of the story they try to present. And, you know, I'm not here to take away, you know, the psalmness of death and war, but the way those monuments were erected and the words that are positioned on them are dutifully inaccurate and misleading. And so we still have a long way to go. And that's that will take that will take the people of Austin and the people of Texas to make some soul searching decisions about. So what each of us can do, right, in in engaging in this grassroots activity is to go through your town, identify these examples of ancestor veneration within your own community, approach your local representatives whether it's for the county or the town council, so that you can understand the motivation for the art and how it may be symbolized in another non-human way, or are they even considering policies for what to do with existing monuments or new monuments in a way that is respectful to making a more perfect union for all of us. Also, speak with your neighbors, right, in your local community understand their perspectives on this topic. Maybe they might be interested in, in supporting a change, um, if for no one else, at least for our children's sake at the least. I mean, kids are walking around wherever. They, these monuments are equally accessible to them as they are to us, and, and perhaps they're more impactful in formative ways in their young minds, um, depending on how they identify with what these monuments represent. And if you have the opportunity to speak with local artists, maybe you can understand on your own what kind of symbology might make sense to express the valuable ideas, right, of any any figures that might be replaced. Um, it, what we just went through is so reactionary with people defacing and tearing down monuments on their own, Um not having the opportunity to have these open discussions and have these open debates and say, okay, we don't want this monument anymore. What do we want to replace it with? And what do we want to do with the one that's there, which would be a little more civically minded, but we also understand the passion with which has drawn people out. Finally, you know, this is like the, the straws that broke our camel's backs. We want to honor all the valuable lessons learned from the past, and not to fall victim to repeat our mistakes. With that, I think that's all I've got to harp on this topic. So thank you all for listening. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr.
1: And thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. I truly look forward to listening to a presentation of this podcast in the future hall of atonement on the smithsonian compound i see it
0: i love that maybe uh i'll redo it with fewer ums <laughs> oh this has been something that's for sure for information on this and other episodes head over to citizen and click on podcast while you're there hit up the contact us page and leave a comment we'd love to hear from the community Special thanks to you, our listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best, and you have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful, and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzly and Studios Inc.